Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 151, wrapping up our reviews of our positional previews for the 2023 fantasy baseball season, going to starting pitching, and it's only fitting. It's our final episode of the reviews of the previews, starting pitchers, so that'll be fun. We've got some ADP debates. Uh, we're using the main event ADP. There's been eight main event drafts, as everyone predicted. Pitching's got up, folks. That's the way it's going, but before we get into all that, the, the housekeeping you can find myself on twitter at bdentric and my coast is always on twitter at batflip crazy toby how are we doing my friend doing great bubba um although we did we did lose in the battle of the pods but sweet 16 is pretty nice you yeah, know it's pretty good for it's a small good. conference school like us yeah. you know we'll take that we'll take that uh that sweet 16 berth um definitely, congrats definitely. to ariel and uh beat the shift um for uh for taking us down today um, but no, I mean, it's super exciting. I mean, we're getting to it, right? We're a little over a week away. The WBC has been fantastic. I saw a tweet that was like, how is the MLB season ever going to compare to, you know, uh, the it's WBC? So, so, yeah, another great game today and um, a good final tomorrow. So it should be, should be enjoyable. It's baseball season. Gotta love it. Yep, USA Japan Tuesday night's going to be so much fun because honestly, when, I, when it started, I was watching Team USA, I'm like, this team might not even get out of the pool play. Like it did not look like a great baseball team, and they're clicking right now. The pitching's still not great, and that's my biggest concern. It's not a great pitching staff, but boy, oh boy, can they score some runs? So should be fun. Yeah. But, who's who's starting tomorrow? Do we do we do you know? It's probably been announced. I'm not sure. I know Lance Lynn. Or no, I think it's Lance. I think it might be Lance Lynn because Wayno started. Hopefully, it's not Merrill Kelly because I think he started the game three in the pool play and that could be disastrous maybe it's a bullpen game maybe it's be straight up like game seven yeah, world series here we go. who's, who's going to be the opener who's going to be the opener yeah this could be like a one time through the rotation for you merrill and then we're going to the pen uh that could be the scenario but we'll see it's reminded it reminds me so much like you probably watched it when you're growing maybe you still watch it now i don't know but like watching the little league world series and it was always like you had that you have, you have the usa side and you have the international and USA was always putting a good team together, but it seemed like it was always like Japan would get through to the finals and just beat the snot out of the whatever USA team showed up more often than not because they're just a fundamentally sound team. Like, this is what they do. And so I'm really curious to see how Tuesday night goes. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's all I know. So 
For sure, it is. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see that that ADP um, so of Yoshida. Uh, so. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. That's a good point. And everyone's all already drooling over Sasaki, who won't even be. I don't think he's coming to like twenty twenty seven. Like we got a long yeah, ways to like twenty five. I wonder if there's any way for him to get out earlier. You know, like It'd be nice. I know that's when the, I think his first contract ends, but man, it'd be nice to have him in the M, M majors for for his whole career. But obviously, I mean, yeah. Japan, it's got a great league too. So. We'll see what happens, but it's a lot of fun. Good to see baseballs thriving even in the springtime. So, and then, like you said, you're going to be in Vegas this weekend because the second round of big live main event drafts and everything are taking off. And then one week after that, we have our final spring games, and then it's baseball season. It's it's right here. It's right around the corner. So it's going to be glorious, absolutely glorious. And um, looking forward to next week hearing your uh, your thoughts on how your NFEC weekend went in Vegas. That'll be. A lot of fun to um, see. I'm sure I will have a lot of stories. Because what stories. are you doing? You're doing three or four teams? I'm doing four in Vegas, three auctions and one main um, on Saturday morning. So, and that's a fun group. That's a fun yeah. group for sure in there. So, um, that'll, that'll be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, but, be, it'll be a good time. So, yeah. Looking forward to hearing all about that. But for tonight, we are talking starting pitchers, main event ADP, which is I put from 316 to today, it's been eight drafts Saturday and Sunday. That's pretty much what you got. And um, it's uh, definitely some 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 surprises. Like if you want to listen to the Sunday night Rotowire podcast, Toby filled in for Jeff Erickson with Scott Jenstead, and they talked a lot about these ADP um, kind of movers and shakers per se, because they're both you – know, Scott was running for the, the overall for a while there last year. He was doing some big boy things, and Toby's always got some squads in the mix. So they were having some fun conversations in that. But, Toby, let's talk about a couple standouts. At least that's just stood out just from the naked eye without going super deep into ADP um, with this first you know look. And for me, the first one off the board is Spencer Strider. He's the fourth pitcher off the board of an ADP of 16.75, which is just like on the one-two turn. And he went as high as 12, so he went in the first round in one of these eight drafts. And this is a guy that was going, you know, back like a more of a two, three ish kind of guy for most of draft season, depending on the twelves and fifteens on how that was going for you. So to see him jump up to a first round pick and on the one, two turn, that is quite the healthy jump. Uh, so how are you kind of looking at Spencer Strider? Like, are you surprised by the jump? Is it definitely taking him off the board for you? If he was on your board, he probably wasn't, but if he was, how is Spencer Strider's just push up the, the rankings going for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's fascinating to see, yeah, the the kind of ADP close and who's moving up and who's moving back. Like, it's just it's really interesting because a lot of it, honestly, like mirrors the projections in a lot of ways. Like where the projections have guys going, um, which is kind of fascinating. But for Strider, I mean, I think that I think nobody really questions the skills for Strider. I mean, skills like projections are in agreement on 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 Strider. Um, we've seen like what he's done. I mean, he had one of the better rookie seasons ever for a pitcher. Um, there's the injury concerns towards the back end of the year, but he's looked good. I mean, he's down like maybe one and a half miles per hour. I think something like that on his fastball in the spring, but not too much for concern. You know, like you just, you, I'm more concerned about when you're hitting two miles per hour or more. Um, so it's really a volume question for Strider. Um, you know, and, and what you think he can hit for volume. If you think he can get to 200 innings pitched, well, I mean, then you're in for a bonanza, right? But I think most of the projection systems have him 
Um, let's see, what do we got? We got 140, uh, one, we got 168, 159, 151, 154, 122.3. But I think on a skill skill basis, you know, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, clearly. And I think one of the things that you just need to factor in is if you are going to take Strider, I do think that you need to look for volume somewhere else, whether it's in the number of starting pitchers that you're drafting kind of earlier on in the draft or whether you're just kind of backing him up right away with somebody who's who's a 200, 180 inning guy. Um, he'll get you the Ks, um, but the question will be kind of more of the, the volume metrics and, you know, potentially the wins. I mean, it's a great team with a really good bullpen, but, you know, he hasn't really gone deep into games consistently. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see, but I do, I do like him. He's good. Yeah. We, we share pretty similar sentiments. Like I love the talent. I love the pitcher. I think there's a lot to like, it's just a matter of how many innings he's going to throw. That's my biggest concern, especially with an early pick like that. You got your Nolas, who's almost a 200, you know, 190 plus guy year after year. You got Woodruff, who, you know, he's been banged up. But you, could, you could imagine a healthy season, 175, 180, which does Strider even get there? But his 150 might be as good as Woodruff's 180. So, like, you got those kind of conundrums to take place when you're kind of weighing it out. So, it just kind of surprised me in the main event world, who we like to think are the, you know, best of the best potentially uh, playing out there you see that kind of jump in a talent like Strider, who's been, like I said, hanging around like almost 12, 10 to 15 picks later. That's a big jump for me in the, in the early draft picks. Uh, you know, DeGrom, he went as high as 17th in one draft. Verlander's high as 16th, but as low as 34. So it's, it's a wide array uh, based on these early drafts on who goes where. So it, it is interesting to see when some of these guys um, are kind of getting pushed up and, and some aren't per se. Like Nola's just like stuck in 21 to 29. He's just a second round dude where other guys have, you know, first to third round potentials, depending on on where you're looking in the draft. And it's, it just kind of gives you an idea of, um, I guess, the landscape as you're looking at it. Another um, guy, I have some breaking news. Uh-oh. The main event for tonight shut down. So we have the board from tonight's main event there's now nine drafts in the system oh, let me reload this page and yeah, see if yeah, I yeah. Get so a, ninth, a ninth draft so let let me um let me just i'll tell you what the first 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 uh, couple rounds were and i don't know who they are i don't have the that board i, I, I just have um yeah. yeah so we got turner at one the, we call that the wbc bump yep. uh acuna at two Judge at three, J Ram at four, nothing surprising. J Rod at five, Otani at six, Tucker at seven, nothing surprising. Bouchette continues his move up. Yep. You know, he goes eighth, Wit nine, number 10, Tatis Jr., number 11, Mr. Freddie Freeman. Don't know pitchers. Um, yeah. Corbin Burns is the first pitcher off yeah. the board at 12. At 12. Machado at 13, Vlad Jr. at 14. Juan Soto at 15, which is interesting because, yeah, you know, he's got the oblique injury, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of fascinating there. Uh, Garrett Cole at 16. Okay. Um, Mookie Betts at 17. Mike Trout at 18. Pete Alonzo at 19. Um, and this is one we're seeing a little bit more consistently. Justin Verlander at 20, interesting. which is his ADP since the first day. His yeah. ADP is solidly at 20 through the first day. Then you got Goldie, who was falling, but not in this draft. And then you have Strider at 22. 
DeGrom at 23, Jordan at 24, Austin Riley at 25, who's been dropping a little bit, um, Klasse at 26, Nola at 27, Seeger at 28, McClanahan at 29, Devers at 30. Now that is a fascinating little, like, you're not going to see that very often where you get Trey Turner at one and Rafael Devers at two, and then you hit up Max Scherzer at three. Um, that's a heck of a start. Got, that's got to that's got to feel pretty good. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. It's, that's why it's fun looking at some of those boards and like right there, you said Strider went like what twenty two or twenty three after we just said he's gone as high as twelve, and and as low as twenty two. That's his low. So yeah. that's uh, it says a lot right there. That's just the the volatility or variance in his mm. his ADP, and that, that's just it. And then you, all the hitters early on there kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say getting pushed up per se, but like Machado up to 13. Not saying he doesn't deserve it, but something you don't see. Every he's been day. pushing up. Yeah, he's been pushing up too. It's interesting. Yeah. So some of those those names, and you mentioned Soto with the oblique injury. That's kind of a little scary to to still trust him on the one two turn. That's uh, an interesting selection. So yeah, that's uh, that's fun. Going to be fun to see where the next uh, groups of mains uh, go and this ADP continues to fluctuate because definitely. Um, consistency in the ADP, but def- definitely like one thing I noticed this morning and I it, like with the Strider is 12 to 22, the variance um, like Verlander 16 through 34 um, McLaren had 26 through 41. So it's not like there's like Nola from 21 to 29 is like a pocket where the rest of them are just like spread out where it's all over the, the board. And even when you, when you read off the first two rounds there, it intermixed a lot of the starting pitcher compared to the ADP. If you just look at the sheet, like they weren't, like down in order per se, which you'd expect. But um, so, yeah, interesting stuff there. More. See, Toby's doing all this research. He's got some big stuff coming up. He's got to be ready for the movers and shakers. Got to know. You got to know everybody who's moving around. I mean, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting board. Some people took some interesting approaches on it. So, and what's fascinating to me is Burns has kind of moved. I want to say in Mains, he may be the number one. He's playing He's like that. Yeah. He just went ahead of Cole. Burns is at 12-2-2, and Cole is at 12-3-3. Yeah. Fascinating one, stuff. One of the things that's really interesting to me is if you just do, like, all the players that went back to all. You mentioned Bo Bichette went, like, I think it was like eight or nine. Something that Bo Bichette uh, went eight or nine or something, but he's gone as high as four. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was Bob. Bob, was Bob. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he kind of so announced that. He's he's yeah. on Team Bo, which says a lot. He's 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 got bumped up because he's got the four to twelve uh, situation. But yeah, like Vlad eight through nineteen. So Vlad's fallen to nineteen in some. Mm-hmm. Um, Tatis, the pick ten was the highest so far. Uh, Machado eleven through twenty two. Freeman eleven through. So there's some some gaps there as well. But um, Jordan's falling quite a bit with that hand injury. That's scaring people. Because his highest is 18th. And prior, like earlier in draft season, he was a pretty easy, like 10 to 12, give or take, maybe a little mm-hmm. higher. So he's fallen pretty good as well, which is something to, uh, he's supposed to start playing grapefruit games this week. They're, they're not too worried about him, it sounds like. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, main event yeah, drafters yeah. are. Yeah. You know, Scott actually asked me about, uh, Jordan on the pod yesterday, um, at the, on the Rotorwire pod. And I didn't have I didn't have his profile in front of me. I was a little bit of a slacker, but um, Scott had mentioned how he had really dipped off in the second half. And I took a, a peek, 
And, you know, his WRC plus during that time was still like 170, I think. He was still a monster. Like that. Still a monster. He was a monster. And his yeah. home run per fly ball rate fell down to 17%. And you might be saying like, oh, well, you know, that's like, that's still super high. But for Yardon, he's a 25% home run per fly ball guy. So that's, you know, I, I don't know how much of it was. It could have certainly been the injury. And I didn't look at the ground ball rate. So I, I probably should do that. Actually, I will do that just because even though this is the pitcher pod, hey, I got no problem talk, talking about this stuff because these are these are questions that I, I'm getting in like other chat rooms and stuff. Like, what are you doing with Jordan? Like, these are things that are on the minds as we're in the heart of drafts. He's like, I've got a lot of Jordan shares. I do. So I'm trying to act like it's not a big deal because this is a dude that can hit almost 300 and hit over 40 home runs. You don't see that every day. But yeah. if there are concerns, it's valid. Yeah, I mean, his ground ball rate was elevated in the second half for sure, but it was, it was, he had similar periods of time in the first half of the season, too. If you look at his rolling 80 game average, um, let's, let's make it more like a 70 game rolling average because that's more like how often he plays. Let's see what we got. Um, yeah, I've been pretty consistent. His last 70 games, it was at a high 30s, which is right in line with his three year average. So, I think it was more, let's let's see the home run per fly ball. Um, again, I'm not really in on Jordan all that much. So I'm not saying this to encourage people to get him or anything like that, but I just felt bad because Scott had asked me about it and I like didn't have it on there. And by the time I got it up, I um, uh, he had moved on to the next thing. So he this was his, yeah, it was tied for his lowest 70 game rolling average home run per fly ball um, with, the end of the previous season as well. Um, so again, doesn't mean definitively that it wasn't the injury that, you know, kept him from producing as much power in the second half, but um, you know, everything else looked really good. Like he was still a phenomenal player. One of the craziest time. things you mentioned out of all of that is the fact that when in the beginning of the season, one out of every four fly balls went out of the ballpark. That is just insane to think about. When you, when you think about it, you could go to a game and it hits four or five balls, there's a good chance one of them left the park. That's that's nuts. That's absolutely insane. Uh, that's how good he was. It's the group he was in. So, yeah, bottom line, ADP, it's fun to see how this is moving and shaking. Um, if you do 12 teams, go look at the OCs. There's so many of those. They do like six a day or something. So shrink that one down quickly. Like I think I did a search for like three days the other day, and there's 21 drafts in, in three days. So the OCs are flying off the boards. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, a couple other pitchers that just kind of I wanted to, to briefly discuss based on like injury concerns or whatever. When people are kind of asking like, hey, where would you take so-and-so? Carlos Rodon, who there's some maybe more positive news coming out. I'm still kind of skeptical of the situation. But uh, right now he's the 32nd pitcher off the board. That includes relief pitchers. ADP of 74. He's gone as high as 57 in these first nine drafts. I'm still hesitant to take him, even though I know how good he can be, and that bit me in the rear end a couple years ago. I'm very aware of that. But when he's going around other pitchers, like, you know, Gallon's got his issues right now with velocity, but Framber Valdez, you Darvish going right in front of him. I love Robbie Ray going right after him. I'll even take the, the toe with Joe Musgrove type situation. So how are you looking at, at, at Rodon here? He's kind of sandwiched in between those starting pitchers. Yeah, I'm not really interested in Rodon. I mean, these are these are golden picks, and so I don't really want to spend a ton of draft um, capital on him. And and so going to ADP of, I think you mentioned 74. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm not willing to go there. I mean, you have the injury history with his arm. 
Um, I think, you know, last year without having any injuries, he pitched 178. So, you know, um, the projections are a little bit all over the place on him. I think I have him for 130 innings. Um, I can double check that. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not really interested. I just think it's too, too risky at that point. And certainly he can help win you a league, but he could always also lose it for you. So yeah, that's, that's um, my concern. Yeah. In a big, big way. Uh, another starting pitcher that's been moving up draft boards as he continues to throw in the spring and continue to dominate and continue to remind us of the Chris Sale of old, ADP of 101 so far, 41st pitcher off the board. He's gone as high as 81, which is in the Robbie Ray realm of things. Like you want to talk about a, a, a difference in picks, 81 through 130 for Chris Sale, all over the board for Chris Sale. Um, I'm starting to like what I'm seeing. I was always kind of, I really liked him at his original ADPs of like 170 ish because I believed he'd be able to kind of be a workhorse, kind of like Verlander was in the past. Now you have to pay for him a little bit, and now he's more of an SP three, hopefully, if not an SP two, if you waited. Um, how are you looking at the Chris Sale thing as you know, missing the season due to Tommy John, but he's older, velocity looks good. They should just let him run because they don't have a lot of choices in Boston. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super, I'm not super into sale um, at this moment in time. Um, again, questions around the injury, you know, how much he's going to pitch, you know, in the last four seasons, the most innings he's thrown is 158 back in 2018. So you got to think that that's probably the cap, but I think you're much more likely looking at you know, 130 and the projections seem to be pretty on board with that as well. You know, you can't really deny the skills, but, you know, he's also struggled a little bit, right? Like in 2019, he had 147 innings at a 440 ERA, you know, a decent amount of bad luck, but he had home run issues. In 2021, 42.2 innings, but yet again, 1.27 home runs per nine. You know, and that's not really something that he dealt with throughout his whole career. And so I think you're seeing a kind of a different pitcher. Uh, does he does he have upside? Oh, for sure. But I, I wonder what the upside is at 130 innings. Um, you know, maybe I'll be like Eden Crow on that one, like later on in the year. But for me, I don't want to get a guy who's going to throw 130 innings at pick 101. If I think a guy's going to go 130 innings. And I want to go after him. I'm going to draft Kirk Clayton Kershaw, who's going after that, you know? Um, so better team, better ratios, maybe not the same strikeout upside, but again, we don't know what we're getting for, from Chris Sale, right? He hasn't pitched in a couple seasons. So um, yeah. And how late is he going to go into games? All of those types of questions. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's an interesting one to see his climb up boards this draft season and, really climbing up here at the main event. And the last guy I had written down here was Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves. He uh, kind of got a slow start to spring. To me, I compare it to the way Zach Wheeler was treated last year. It could be totally different. It sounded like kind of like a, just kind of a dead arm shoulder situation. There's like no damage and he's, you know, he's throwing fine now. We'll see. Time will tell. He might miss it. looks like he's gonna miss a couple starts similar to Zach Wheeler. Um, could be just totally wrong here, but he seems like he is taking a bit of a hit here on this one. ADP of 154. He's on as high as 121, as low as 172. And, you know, you got Luis Garcia, Jomo, Reed Detmers, even Dustin May going ahead of him. 
So uh, Reed people, Detmers, yeah, Reed Detmers. God, Reed Detmers. We got a Reed. We got a Reed oh, Detmers yeah. situation coming yeah, up we, on the we show. Got, we got a Reed um, Detmers situation but sure. with Kyle Wright, it seems like you know uh, Chris Sale gets the bump up. Uh, Strider's getting the bump up. Rodon's kind of you know sitting around. Kyle Wright looks like he's actually getting a bit of a hit with this injury situation. Um, how are you looking at him? Yeah, I'm not super interested in Wright. I wasn't like super interested to begin with. Um, you know, he was not nearly as good in the second half as he was in the first half, you know, generated a lot of, um, his value. I mean, not a lot of his value, right. He had a, he had a fantastic season, right. 319 ERA, 116 whip, you know, that's, that's really good. Um, so I don't want to take that away from him. You know, he had the 21 wins as well. It was just one of those seasons where kind of everything, um, went well for the guy. But, um, and let me just, I'll just pull up his second half just so I'm not talking out of my butt. Um, but, you know, I remember having him on a couple teams last year and, you know, he was, he was a little debatable, you know, that, um, that second half of the year. So yeah, over his last 10, you know, the in-zone contact rate uh, jumped up to 87%. So worse than league average. His O swing was really solid, which for him is really important. I mean, walks have always been kind of an issue, and he actually had a much better O swing towards the um, towards the second half of the season. But I think kind of he was all over the place still. His uh, walk rate increased to seven point two percent, which is right around league average for starters. You know, K rate was below league average at twenty two point eight percent. Swinging strike rate fell to eleven point three percent. Again, he could go back to his numbers last year, but the fact that he's injured early on, um, the fact that I'm, I think he was probably playing above um, his actual skill level, um, you know, for those reasons, you know, he had a 78.9% strand rate, which is not outrageous in today's game, but for a guy who doesn't strike out a ton of players um, is certainly beneficial. 16.4% K minus walk rate over the full season very solid, but not exceptional. Um, so I wasn't really interested uh, in right to begin with and still am not really. Perfect. Any other uh, standouts to you on ADP or would you like to do some ADP debates? Oh God, standouts. Um, or surprises. Uh, I wonder how many, um, let me just see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Demers was one guy. I mean, we're going to talk about him later, so I won't, I won't detail that, but he's kind of the big, biggest mover um of everybody just looking here for some you know it's just the overall story of starting pitching moving up um freddie peralta i feel like has moved up a decent amount as well there's no i in team but there is one in indeed and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours when you're hiring you need indeed instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all one of the things i love about indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because indeed does the hard work for you they show you the candidates whose resumes on indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Um, up to yeah, Alex now. Cobb is in the 13th round, yep. you know? Um, so he's up, he's up about 40 spots as well. So again, like it's nothing surprising, like the guys who people like, the guys who are showing skills either in spring training or last year that were encouraging are starting to move up those boards. And so it's fascinating to see how each draft is unique in the way it runs like today pitching actually didn't move up that much and it was yeah. interesting to see what the draft board looks like when that happens um you know but like tomorrow there will be one where there's four guys who go in the first round right so um really fascinating to see those movements but yeah let's let's move on let's move on all righty let's head to some adp debates and we'll have some like you know just tough pick your poison ones at the top of the draft and as we go down these will all be within the top 200 of adp so far in the main event and we'll start with aaron nola at adp 25.33 and justin verlander at 25.89 i mentioned earlier how nola is going anywhere from 21 to 29 where verlander is going as high as 16 and as low as 34 so there's a little more volatility in there you know you got verlander coming off the cy young year goes to new york now his first year after tommy john and the cy young and you got nola who's just you know steady eddie to me so um, how do you kind of debate these two potentially if you're in a draft room? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a debate I'm still having with myself, you know, about these two, because I do really like them. I mean, they're both really great pitchers um, for Verlander. You know, you feel pretty good about the ERA. He's in a great stadium again. He's that high fly ball pitcher. He keeps the Babbitt supremely low consistently, which helps his whip because he also doesn't walk guys. So even when he does give up homers, they're generally solo shots. You know, he is playing for the Mets and man, the way this Mets season is going, who who knows what's going to end up happening. But I feel pretty good about the ratios, you know, with Verlander. I think the bigger question mark to me, I think we talked about it in the preview or the review is, is that is the, is the uh, strikeout skills, you know, they didn't really didn't match up with what we were seeing there, but he's looked good this spring as well, you know, and he's, he's another season away from Tommy John still within that kind of window of, of, uh, relative um lack of concern so that's nice so i feel like you probably are getting better ratios with verlander you're probably getting fewer strikeouts 
you're probably getting similar wins to Nola. With Nola, you know, he's got the volume, so he's got the innings pitched. You know, the ERA has been a little, the whip has been pretty strong consistently. The ERA has been fluctuating a little bit, somewhat homer prone occasionally, but helped out by the, the by the better ball as well. The strikeouts, I feel like in volume are going to be there as well. So I think it really just depends, you know, what you're going to do. I think it's fascinating that they're going side by side in AVP because I think you got to be happy if you get either one of them. But, um, you know, I think I think you, you go either way. I think it's more about like if you draft Nola, maybe you go in a different direction later on. If you draft Verlander, maybe you go in a different direction later on. Like it's kind of goes down to that rotation construction and where you're getting your Ks, where you're getting your ratios, things like that. So I still, I, I honestly, like I'd be lying to you if I, uh, if I told you that I had decided. I imagine, you know, I've got four drafts this weekend. I imagine I will have um, eat both of them on one team, you know, um, probably. So we'll see. Yeah, that's why it's a tough one for me because I'm like, I love Nola. So for me, if I have to pick one of two, it's Nola, mainly because the consistency of innings and whatnot, even though I believe Verlander's still going to give you a ton of innings, there's still the concern, you know, first year he, you know, first full season after Tommy John, now so it's year two of that. They talk about the honeymoon period, all those scenarios. Uh, ratios will be great. Strikeouts will be great with Verlander, like you said. Uh, just Nola, it's just a consistent, you know, he's going to go out there and give you the innings, you know, 205, 180, 202, 212. He's just a, a beast in that department. Strikeouts will still be there. You know, just can you limit the home runs, like you said? Because the ratios, it's just – it's a combination of Phillies have bad defense type situation. And he he's that guy that I think people just don't like him because he has those great starts with one bad inning all the time. And just re, people remember that stuff with Nola. I, I go Nola over these two. I have both throughout my drafts. I've done a lot of drafts, so I have both. Earlier in draft season, Nola was going much later than Verlanders. You could almost get both if you wanted to. Now that they're going like side by side, it's it's a really interesting situation. And I guess it goes to show you in a 15-team format where a lot of my drafts are 12, that stability of Nola is much more valuable per se than just going YOLO with the Verlander and hoping for the ceiling again. There, there's a difference in that regard. So I go team Nola in this one. That, that That's my decision. But uh, very, very close. And it's very interesting to me that they're – Neck and neck in ADP right now. That, that's, that was a, a big surprise to me going forward. All right. We dropped down a little farther. A guy that still just does not get the respect. Somehow I think he deserves it. Maybe I'm just crazy. Kevin Gossman, ADP of 44.67, as high as 38. Luis Castillo, ADP of 46.89, ADP as high as 35. Um, how do you look at these two in an ADP debate? Yeah, um, for me in an ADP debate, this is a this is kind of a tough one too. Um, uh, I, I lean I lean Gaussman in this one. Um, you know, I I I don't know. It's just so it's these are all tough ones, right? Like they're all going around each other for reasons. With Gaussman, you know, there's like maybe a little bit of luck on some things last year. Maybe a little bit of I mean, a little bit of luck on some things. A little bit of bad luck on other things. You know, I love the fact that he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He generates that really high O swing. But Luis Castillo has been pretty similar. And, I mean, the Mariners know what they're doing. And so, like, when I look at Castillo's last 10, 81.2% in-zone contact, 35.1% O swing, 28.9% K minus walk or, or K rate, 5.9% walk rate. So, really getting those walks, you know, under control 
um, when he went over to the Mariners. You know, so that's 22% K minus walk, 14.2% swinging strike. So all of those numbers are really good. Like you've got to like those. And what's what's interesting about uh, Castillo as well is that you know that was with his changeup getting worse last year. Um, you know, his changeup, the swinging strike rate on his changeup, and for those of you that follow this pretty closely, like 12.9%. You know, this is a guy that two years ago had a changeup with a 22.8% swinging strike rate, 26.7%, 26.1%. You know, like that to me is fascinating, right? So maybe there's an egg there, maybe there's the next level for Castillo there, but I also like haven't been that into him, honestly. Like I haven't I haven't really, really gone after him that closely. And then Gaussman, like you look at him too, and then he's playing for a really good Jays team. You know, it's going to score a lot of runs. Wind should be there. Some questions about like the stadium a little bit. Um, but let me just get my handy dandy thing here and look over the same period for Gaussman as Luis Castillo. And you are going to get... You got 83.9% in zone contact. You got 41.3% O swing. I mean, that's ludicrous. You know, a 41.0% O swing, like you're just not gonna walk dudes doing that, right? When when almost half of the pitches you throw outside the zone are swung at. And that really means that most of the pitches that are anywhere near the zone are swung at, right? Because there's always the ones that are just kind of wasted pitches. You got a K rate at 28.7, you've got a 15.2%. Swinging strike rate, you got a 3.4% walk rate, right? So you got a 25% K minus walk. I mean, both of those guys, that's those are all elite numbers for them. So um, again, I think I lean Gaussman just because he hasn't had the same, at least recent struggles that Castillo has. I worry a little bit about the cold weather narrative with Castillo as well. Remember, he really struggled in Cincinnati and He's in Seattle and Seattle's not super cold. I mean, I lived there for a while, but and they can't close the roof. It's also not super right? it's not super room. It's sort of super warm either, right? Like yeah. it's not gonna really get there for a little bit. So um it's pretty far up there. If you look at that uh whatever that is, longitude or latitude, latitude, latitude the latitude, I always mix them up. <laughs> so um, but yeah, I think they're both good pitchers. I would I would think I'd lean Gaussman there. Yeah, it's Gossman for me, and I love Luis Castillo. We've talked about him for years on this show, and I don't think I have very many shares at all this year. I have a lot of shares of Kevin Gossman. Um, a couple of reasons why is I love – again, this is just nitpicky because, like you said, they're, they're neck and neck. But um, I just – to me, Gossman's got the better overall the team, per se, given the Mariners will be much better this year. Um, but I just like Gossman, what we've seen over and over for the last – three like four out of five years even if you want to the ratios have been good the strikeouts have been really good for four straight seasons he limits the walks the ball stays in the ballpark there's just so many factors that just consistency that i really really like and he seems to just do it over and over again where castillo with the mariners is the dream we've always wanted get out of great american small park and he was just amazing outside of there he's always been pretty good but the whip's been a concern with Castillo and the walks went down a bit more. Like you said, the Mariners know what they're doing. He's throwing a lot more in the zone and all those little things, but he still had a pretty healthy walk rate overall. And then, you know, if he can continue to improve on that, that's great. But the, the ground ball rate dropped a ton last year. That used to be like his his forte. I get a bunch of ground balls and strikeouts with the with the changeup. It just didn't happen as much last year. So it makes you wonder, sure, he can let the ball elevate more in Seattle than he couldn't in Great American. So maybe that zone contact you mentioned, hey, go for it. Let, 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 let it rip. So it's uh, it's kind of a mixed bag there. I love Luis Castillo. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of Luis Castillo. 
I just feel like Gossman's got like a Cy Young ceiling where Castillo's got a very good ceiling. Like Gossman can be one of those guys we look back at the end of the season, like you look at the player Raider or something, and he's a top five starting pitcher, and no one would be surprised just because he's got that arsenal. Where Castillo becoming a top five starting pitcher might surprise a few people. So it's just that it's picking at straws to me, and that's what it is. So I go Kevin Gossman in this one. Um, no problems with Luis Castillo, but uh, it's Gossman for me. All right, the next one, this one, I'm really curious to see where you go with this one. And this kind of had some movers in ADP, actually. Dylan Cease, ADP at 55.22. Julio Urias, 57.56. You know, Cease had the amazing season last year. Still some concerns with potential walk situations. Where Julio Urias maybe doesn't get you the innings, but does get you the strikeouts on a whole bunch of wins with the Doyers. So uh, how do you look at Dylan Cease and Julio Urias? Yeah, neither of them have really been a target for me um, this year at all. Um, you know, Cease is actually showing up pretty well when I look at just um, valuations, but I worry about the walks. Like I, we talked about it before, so I won't belabor it, but you know, he walks a lot of guys. I think he led the league actually in, in number of walks issued. And part of that was because he went pretty far into games and threw a lot of innings, but um yeah, I, I just, um, I, yeah, I'm, I just, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, if I can go back there. I feel like I, I made out really well last year, and I worry that we're going to be back in the in the 2021 range. I mean, maybe, maybe slightly better than that, but um, yeah, I, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but still, like a really good pitcher. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being outrageous. I, I don't know, but um, you know, the 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 projections he has right now are not terrible right like three five nine yeah. or the bat has him at like well that's the worst one so let's just go <laughs> steamer three seven four one two 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 hundred twenty seven strikeouts yeah that's pretty good um you know the era maybe not what you want but otherwise and then urias like i always want to like him like the theory of urias is um is 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 interesting like he's always good you know um but I also struggle a little bit with, um, you know, the fact that the skills don't necessarily support it. Um, and that's a little bit challenging. And last year seemed to really be like kind of the best of, of all the worlds for him. So I'm probably skipping out on both of them. If I had to take one guy, probably went into this thinking Cease and I'd probably go with, or I went in with it going Urias and I'd probably go back to Cease. But Yeah, that's the conundrum I have. That's why I wanted to bring this one up to see what you had to say on this one and we talked about this one at barf this is what i hit home like i am not a dylan cease guy but he fell to like 77 or something and i was like okay well that's like when you look at projections and everything like he blows whatever's left out of the water in that scenario so yeah dylan cease come on down but there's this very smart guy that i know named uh, toby toby g and uh, he's always warned me about uh, my whip issues on teams and because of certain guys i like and dylan cease is a red yeah. flag for the whip situation like he had a one-one-one last year, by far the best of his career. But that was a lot due to the amount of innings he pitched, as Toby mentioned. Otherwise, he's like a one-two-five, one-three, maybe more type dude. And a lot of the projections have him around more like that one-two-five guy. Um, at this point in the draft, you can't really, to me, afford that kind of a whip. Like that comes later in the draft because you don't have a choice type yeah, situation. Yeah, I like the right way you're now. Talking. Like that's one thing I've been really trying to focus on that Toby's instilled in my head. Like, hey, look at these. That's maybe another reason why the Castillo versus Gossman thing for me. Like, because Castillo's always been a high whip guy, not so much last year, but you know, let's do it a few times. So 
I get really nervous with Dylan Cease, but then there's the Hillary Urias. And we talked about it in the previews that maybe I need to like, get this biasy out of my head with Urias. Like, you know, he doesn't pitch a ton of games, blah, blah, blah. Still with 175 innings, 185 the year before. Doesn't rack up a ton of strikeouts. He's almost like a mini Alcantara. He needs the innings to be relevant, but you're not paying the premium like you are with Alcantara. And you get a whole lot of wins, given Dodgers aren't going to be as good this year, I have a feeling. Just a hunch. And that's not my Giants biasy. That's just us looking at this team. It's not the Dodgers of old. Let's put it that way. So that's why this was an interesting one to me, seeing them next to each other. It's like two completely different pitching profiles, but both had great years last year. So it's like, do you see them stay the same? Do you see them take the jump? Or do you see them fall back to kind of maybe what we expect them to be? That's the conundrum at this point in the draft. I'll take your eyes from this one because I think there's a little more consistency there than with Dylan Cease, but it's not a warm and fuzzy thing. I don't have many shares of either one. I don't think I have any rise to be honest, which is crazy. And like I said, that cease is only because he fell so much. And it just became a point where I was willing to take the chance at that time. Could be wrong. But yeah, give me Julio Urias in this one. And it's uh, not a great one, but it was an interesting discussion seeing where they're going in drafts right now. Another one that's kind of moving around is uh, you got – and they switched spots after this last draft because Yu Darvish was going ahead of Alec Manoa. But now Alec Manoa is a pick ahead of Yu Darvish at 68.11. And you Darvish is at 69.11, so they're a pick apart in drafts. Manoa doing Manoa things, velocity down a bit this spring. And you got Darvish, who's pretty darn awesome, and it's kind of each year goes a little farther down in ADP as he gets older, but still kind of produces. So how do you look at Manoa and you Darvish? Yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Darvish on yeah, Darvish, Darvish. Uh, I'll go with Dar- uh, you know what I'm used to saying is uh, Darwin Nunez, um, yep. who is uh, the Liverpool striker. Um, I'll go with Darvish um, on this one pretty clearly. I think Manoa is of no interest to me whatsoever. Yeah, no, I've been so anti-Manoa, and people love him. And the drop in strikeouts last year, a ton more innings. The ratios were great, but you look at the uh, the, the indicators, not so much. I just have a lot of concerns with Alec Manoa, and hey, prove me wrong, kid, if you want. Where Darvish just does it year after year for me, so and he's on a really good team. So yeah, I'm 100% with you. The reason I brought this one up is because to me. This one's not as close as I think people are making it to be. And maybe that's just my thing, but you kind of seem to have the same mindset on this as well. But uh, like I said, when I made this list before this last draft, there was the flip-flops and they've already, Manoa's overtaken him. So it's an interesting development here. And a lot of smart people like Manoa. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'll take Darvish over Manoa as well. Robbie Ray, a guy that I am insanely high on this year, and not just because what he's doing in spring, this was before spring, ADP of 81.56, and you got Tristan McKenzie coming off a monster season. Some people really, really love the kid, Sticks, as they call him, because he looks like he's Sticks wearing baseball pants. Um, how do you look at these two come draft day? Yeah, these ones are interesting. You know, Ray is fascinating. Ray and Detmers actually remind they're similar to me because they're both in a situation where um, their velo is up on – according to everything except for any StatCast data. They haven't pitched in front of StatCast data yet, right? And so I always want to see these things because I don't know, like they're like, he's 96 to 97. And it's like, okay, well, is that like 95.5, you know, to, you know, 94.5 to 95.5 or is that, you know, whatever. So um, with Ray though, I mean, the really glowing reports in spring training, um, so it have piqued my interest a little bit, at least. And I think if you 
you're thinking about like a team that goes for somebody who doesn't get a ton of Ks earlier on. You know, maybe he's a guy that you go to later on. I think the challenge is he's also in the in kind of a group of players that's a really intriguing um, hitters as well, and kind of some of your last closers too. So, um, you know, for that reason, um, yeah, I, I am interested in, in Ray. I don't know whether I'm going to go as high as it is right now. Um, Tristan McKenzie is also really interesting. I mean, he was incredibly good um, towards the end of last year. Um, generates a really nice O swing, which keeps the walk rate low. You know, he really, I, I want to say he got much better as the season progressed as well um, in the second half. I hope I'm not making that up. The one thing that concerns me a little bit, he is an extreme fly ball pitcher um, and he gives up a ton of hard contact, a ton of barrels. And so I worry a little bit about that, um, you know, with him. I think oftentimes, though, this is kind of like the zone of non-interest for me only because I've generally gotten like a good a few starting pitchers at this point. And so it's tough for me to kind of dip back in here. I'm, I'm generally targeting offense here. So I probably won't end up with either one of these guys, but I could see like if they fall a little bit, maybe going after them. Or if I don't, if my pitching doesn't start the same way that I'm expecting, you know, pivoting to, to array or something like that. I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. So for Tristan McKenzie, you know, the end zone contact was 84.9%, you know, so he can't really beat you in the zone necessarily, but he's got like 40% O swing, which is glorious. He's got a 28.2%. You know, K rate, he's got a 14.4% swinging strike rate, a 4.5% walk rate. It's actually a pretty similar profile to what you're seeing with Kevin Gaussman. Um, I, I keep on saying Gaussman, but it's Gaussman, right? Yeah. yeah I just like really pronouncing that U. Um, so, yeah, so both really interesting to me. Um, I can see why people are interested in them. Um, if I had to pick, I'd. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Ray, but I don't know for sure. I'm not hundred percent on that. And this is why I wanted to ask it. Cause it's really close for you where it's not for me, but I understand why it is. Like I look at McKenzie amazing season last year. He's still so young. Like there is always hope and, you know, people hate the word pedigree for him. Like there was always, he's 25 right now for crying out loud to be 26 in August. There was a lot of expe- high expectations for McKenzie and he kind of had a couple cups of coffee and we saw some good and some bad. Last year, he really put it all together. He went 191 innings after 120 in 2021. Uh, the only concerns I have for him is, A, the innings increase is just a, a bit concerning. But the other thing is, like, the strikeout rate dropped a couple percent, but the walk rate dropped a ton, too, and that, that's obviously a big plus. And you mentioned the O swing and all that good stuff. So there's a lot of good and just kind of some slight concerns for me with him, whereas Robbie Ray, it's just he's doing it year in and year out. It's like 190-plus innings. He's, so we, we talk about a world where we want innings. Boom. Ratios. Maybe not elite, like McKenzie might end up having better ratios. You know, three seven one last year for Ray at two eight four in his Cy Young year, but maybe he settles in at a you know three three. That'd be pretty solid if he could do it. If it's a big if, I get it. Uh, would be pretty sweet. Last year's you know left on base rate was a lot more reasonable compared to his Cy Young season. So maybe last year's more the Robbie Ray we should expect. Also in Seattle, which will be nice. But what I like about Robbie Ray a lot, and he even did it last year, strikeout rate about twenty seven percent again for this. He's done that every year since twenty sixteen. The walk rate at 8%, you know, the last two seasons, 8% and 6.7. He's not in that 10 to 17%. Just stay in that single digits. I don't care if it's a high 8 or 9. He can survive in that realm, which makes him really good. Obviously, the higher it is, the worse the whip situation goes back to the Dylan Cease thing. But to me, Cease and Ray are two different pitchers in my mind, where, like, volatility-wise. So I love Robbie Ray. And in a scenario where I might wait on pitching, per se, 
and maybe this is my SP2, unfortunately, I'll take Ray every time because I want that that floor that he brings where Tristan McKenzie has more volatility to me, maybe a higher ceiling in certain categories. But I'll take Robbie Ray. I'm, I'm a big Robbie Ray fan. And again, it's not just because what we're seeing in spring. Spring's been awesome. It's been great to see. Don't get me wrong. But this is a guy I've been very, very high on all draft season. And it's, so to me, it's nice to see the stuff in spring to kind of support his uh, development. But we'll wait and see. All right, a couple more here, and then we'll do some uh, deeper targets and some listener questions. Uh, Lance Lynn, a pick 115.9. He's been moving up boards compared to his early draft season price, and rightfully so in my mind. Could be the WBC bump that Toby was talking about with some other guys earlier. Uh, and then Logan Webb, ADP of 118. This is an interesting one because kind of similar builds if you really look at them. But um, similar pitchers, but kind of a little different. Depends on how you want to look at it. So how do you look at Lance Lynn versus Logan Webb? Yeah, I mean, you're picking really good ADP debates, honestly. Um, Lance Lynn, I, I like more. Um, if you look at what Lance Lynn did, did in the second half of last year, and he's kind of continuing it, continued it a little bit in spring, he was really good. Like the K rate wasn't where it was supposed to be. He developed like a, a, a true slider. Like he really just had fastballs and a cutter that he was using previously. Um, and that seems to have uh, made him a more effective pitcher. The strikeout rate wasn't out of this world, but the walk rate was really low. Um, his K minus walk was over 20%. I, I think we've talked about it a couple times on the pod, so I won't go too much into it. So I really do like him. I think the White Sox are actually a little bit surprising. You know, like I think we were all in on them kind of last year in a lot of ways, and a lot of injuries hit them. And, um, you know, if they can stay healthy, which is a big if, I mean, Eloy was injured today, I think, like a just a cramp in his calf or something like that. But, um, you know, like, uh yeah they just they still have really good pitchers you know and if they can if they can put it all together they could be really effective I, I do like Lance Lynn Logan Webb's actually pretty interesting you know I haven't I haven't gone too deep in him on him but you know one thing I'm noticing is just like you know later on in the year he actually did improve pretty dramatically um at least from a skills perspective um he started throwing that sinker again more and he saw an increase in his strikeout rate. He saw a decrease in his walk rate down to 2.7% over his last five. Um, you know, the swinging strike rate went up to 11%, which again is not fantastic, but it is very good for him in the way that he pitches extreme ground ball, you know, so a lot of kind of encouraging signs there. Um, but I think I'm going with, I think I'm going with Lynn. I mean, the one question that I would have you know, and I guess you could do this for a lot of different pitchers, but like for, for guys who are drafting Chris Sale is last year, you know, Logan Webb threw 192 innings with a 290 ERA, 116 whip, and 163 strikeouts. If Chris Sale gets to 130 innings, will he reach that level of strikeouts? You know, and will he have those ratios? And if so, you know, if, if not, if you think if the answer to that question is maybe not like then, then, and then, then, yeah, then why? It's a great question. That's a, a heck of a way to do it. Let's put it that way. Um, for me, it, this is an interesting one. Cause I liked it a lot better. Like I said, when Lynn was going farther down, cause you can get both these guys. <laughs> and that was when it was fun for me. Uh, you mentioned the improvements from Webb in the second half, and that really stood out to me, not just because I'm a Giants fan and I watched him. Like it was mm -hmm. pe people say, you know, the strikeouts kept dropping with Webb. It was a pitch mix thing with Webb last year. And you mentioned how the second half he started using the sinker more. It's almost like he started using what was working for him more. 
and he, he figured out how to pitch, which I like to see because if my pitcher doesn't have certain things, I still want him to survive, go six, seven innings, get the dub, and he was doing that. He started figuring that out, and then he still have starts where the strikeouts were there. So that was good to see with Webb. He's still super young. He's developing. Um, and then what we're seeing this spring is, and we heard reports before spring started, he was working on another pitch. And we've seen that kind of get incorporated this spring. And we've seen Velos get a little better because that was a concern, uh, what, what, the Velo what dropping. So um, it's something to watch. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all, because, you know, the guys can ditch a pitch just as quick as they start to, to try to throw a pitch. But just the fact he's always trying to reinvent himself. Like last year, he said, oh, this isn't working. Let's throw the sinker. Year before, hey, fastball's working. Let's strike everybody out. Like he's, he, he's always willing to reinvent. And I think that's a really great thing to have on a fantasy pitcher because we've had seasons, and you know, Toby, when certain pitchers, like it hits the wall, there ain't no coming back because that's all they have. And that's like a frustrating thing where Webb can, you know, maybe a start or two are rough, but then he figures something else out and goes. Lynn on the other side. He had the knee injuries early on. Once healthy, it's just clear how good he was again. It was like he was that dude, and we know he's a workhorse. We know he can throw the innings. Like The strikeouts will be there. It's always scary when he pretty much just throws a fastball four different ways, and that's a terrifying thing, but he knows how to do it. He can figure it out. I lean Lance Lynn because I do trust the strikeouts more with Lance Lynn, but Webb is a guy – the reason I wanted to bring this up because, A, they're close pitchers, but – I would not be shocked if we see Webb to be the guy people were drafting last season when he was up in drafts. And then he kind of let people down, so he's kind of dropped again this year. I think he's going to be very, very good. So I've heard a lot of like, oh, no, Webb doesn't do this and that. I'm like, no, he does. He does. You just got to pay attention to what he's doing. He's a different – like he's a cerebral pitcher. And I think it's a very, very interesting thing to have. So I go Lynn over Webb in this one. I have no problem with either one of these guys. If they land on my team, it's like this is an SP3 for me or something, I'm pumped with either one of these guys. Very, very happy. I think they both bring great floors to your team, which helps in a big, big way. All right. uh, Let's do one more debate here, and we'll go with Dustin May. This one's like, I don't know, ADP of 141, as high as 121. And then the man you mentioned, Mr. Reed, taking spring training by Storm Detmers, ADP of 141.89, so almost a pick apart, as high as 125. So I'll let you have the floor here, Toby. This is uh, Dustin May, who we don't even know how many innings he's going to throw. And then Reed Detmers, who we saw the second half slider adjustment, and we've seen what he's doing this spring, and the ADP just keeps climbing. Yeah, I'm not really interested in May. Uh most innings he's ever thrown in a major league season is 56. Um, I just think the innings are going to be questionable. I think whether he even goes five innings on a regular basis are, is going to be a little bit of a question as well. Um, I just think that there's a lot of, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't re- really see it um, for May. Uh, for Detmers, I can see it for sure. I mean, I did a pitcher list uh, thing for for PitchCon, and Detmers was above ag- average over when, after he returned from the minors across the board um, as a pitcher. And so, I think the thing for him is going to be like there's r- reports of a velocity increase from this spring. But he hasn't been measured on StatCast, so I'm a little leery of it, only because I feel like we hear these things all the time. Like, remember Lucas Giolito last year? Lucas Giolito's at 95, 96, 97, you know? And it's like sometimes there's some confusion about whether that was topping out at, you know, in which case you take three miles per hour from where they're sitting, right? 
So like, I just, I, I'm a little hesitant to believe it. And I think that's generating an overwhelming amount of hype on Detmers. Um, but I also think that if it's legit, I mean, he could be incredibly good. Like we've seen guys, we've seen Giolito, it happened to him. It happened to Blake Snell. Like those guys that get that below bump are the guys that take that to that next level. I just think it's going to be Joey Wentz. You know, that's, that's, that's all I think. No, I'm just kidding. Um, although Joey Wentz is, is plus two miles per hour on his, on his basketball. Yes, um, but yeah, so again, I'm not really interested in Detmers where he's going right now. Um, there's going to be some fun bidding on auctions, I think, on Detmers. Um, Good point. Uh, you know, like I, there's already been some fun, fun betting from some fun uh, stuff from what I've heard um, in terms of those, some of those auctions. Um, him going for more than twice uh, what he was going for before uh, the big auctions hit. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Detmers. You know, I'm I'm not probably going to be playing there. I had him last year for a little bit. Unfortunately, the bad times. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, I can see why people are interested, but I'm just not going to go there, I think. Yeah, I'll keep this one short and sweet. I've never been uh, interested on um, Dustin May. I think he's amazing. I've always said like, hey, he's going to be a really cool, like he's he's made for gifts. This is what he does. He's awesome to watch. I'm not interested until I know how many innings the kid's pitching because like the injuries he's had and the concerns. And even when he was around, they were still like, control issues at times last year like if guys aren't chasing the slider there is a lot of question marks he's electric i am not doubting that at all between these two i'll take reed detmers easily now on draft day like you said can i pay that price for reed detmers that's a massive problem that's a, a major major concern um on the on this situation but um like i'm looking at reed detmers as say tout wars mixed auctions you were you were asking to see one where you go he went for 11 bucks over the weekend so not too bad. Um, that, I think he'll be a little higher come your NFBC auctions. Let's put it that way than eleven bucks, but that gives you at least a, a base to go off of. But I'll go Detmers. I'll go for the, uh, the consistency and the upside there. But it's it's tough at that that price. That's for darn sure. Uh, we'll do this one real quick uh, just because I think it's interesting looking at two young guns getting pushed up draft boards. To me, uh, you got Hunter Brown at one seventy two. And we don't know how many innings he's going to throw versus Grayson Rodriguez at 178. We actually kind of have an idea of how many innings he's going to throw. They've already kind of mentioned that. I'm not really in on either one at their ADPs. If I had to pick one, I'll say I'll take Hunter Brown just because I think there's maybe more of an upside there. But how do you look at Brown versus uh, Grayson Rodriguez? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really in on either one of them either. I would go with Grayson um, Rodriguez if I have to choose between the two of them. I just think this stuff is better and I think that I don't think there's a ton of question about whether he can strike guys out. I think it's just a matter of kind of, um, you know, how well he'll do hitting the ground running. I'm not really interested in Hunter Brown either. I don't really understand the hype. So last year he did really well in the regular season in the playoffs, you know, pitching for the Astros, which is great. You know, 20 innings, 22 strikeouts. But when you look below the, the hood a little bit, right, he's pitching out of the bullpen, right? So he's probably pitching two miles per hour higher than he usually does. His swing strike rate was only 10%. His O swing was 29.5. His end zone contact was 89.8. He had an 18.8% K minus walk rate. Gave up zero home runs in those innings, a 90.9% strand rate. You know, so here's a guy who kind of had everything go well for him. He was pitching out of the bullpen where his stuff is going to play up as is. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not really interested in it. I don't know. But, 
but you can also see like the Astros, you know, you want to get pitchers on the Astros and he's relatively inexpensive as it goes for that. But um, I just don't see his skills playing up as much. We'll see though. Yep. We shall see. It'll be fun to watch the young guns and see what the final stats could be. Let's talk about some later targets based on the NFPC main event ADPs, ADPs 200s through 300. Um, you know, and for you especially, I guess, if you take a couple pitchers early, they take a lot of bats for a while. This might be kind of your wheelhouse here. Um, so don't give away all your tricks, Toby, as you have a big weekend ahead. But who are some of the starting pitchers you're looking at between 200 and 300? Yeah, I won't, I won't give away any all of my stuff. Um, don't worry about it. Um, I think there are interesting guys. So, like, I'll just kind of run through. Um, Nate Eovaldi is interesting. Um, he's going at 214. He started pitching again. Um, you know, his velo is supposedly up a little bit. Again, haven't seen the stat cast data on it. But um, he's interesting. He was going all the way back towards the 300s when he was injured earlier this postseason. Um, he plays up really well on the, on the projection systems. They like him a lot. Clark Schmidt has been going up a ton. I, I liked him a lot more when he was like in the 300s um, a little bit. Um, uh, Miles Mikolas is a guy I like, you know, kind of slow and steady. You know what you're going to get. Um, I guess he's like a Logan Webb light maybe because the ratios sure. generally aren't as good. But, um, yeah, you know, he, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Um, Hayden Wisniewski, I know like everybody loves, loves him. Um He's pitched really well. He looks like he's going to get the starting job there. Um, so I think that that is nice. Um, let's see. Speaking of Astro starters, Jose Urquidy is interesting as well. Um, plays nice. Steven Matz has had a really nice spring, um, generally consistent as long as he can stay healthy. David Peterson is really interesting. Um, you know, maybe getting the starting job there. It looks like it might go to Tyler McGill, who's down a couple miles per hour on his fastball, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Peterson get a really solid chance there. Stroman, if you've got your Ks already, you know, the ratios are pretty, pretty nice for him. Ks are low, but, um, you know, that's super, that could be helpful. Um, Erod and Matt Boyd are interesting. They both have increased velo and have looked really good this, um, this spring. So those are two guys. And then, um, Ross Stripling is another one uh, that I like too, um, who, you know, um, really pitched, was underrated last year. He pitched really well when he came on, uh, came on for it. But it's interesting to see like Brandon Fat there, you know, and he's not yeah. even making it, right? So yeah, some of those drafts happened before he didn't make it though. So we'll see where that goes this after this next weekend for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just to clarify before, I'm not I'm not uh, being disingenuous in terms of who I'm interested in and who I like in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of different pitchers, I think, depending on what your build your is build, that you can kind of sure. go with. Um, you know, and so I think that that, um, as well as like, you know, it's kind of like Clark Schmidt. It's like, oh, Clark Schmidt, I like a lot. Like he could take the next step. He's on the Yankees. He could do really well. He's also at an ADP of 222, you know, like, that's a really valuable pick. There are some really good players going near him, and I'm just not sure that I'd be willing to do that. But I do like him a lot um, in terms of what he's been able to do. The velo was up a little bit. He incorporated the cutter, you know, just stuff like that that you really want to be paying attention to. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Zach Eflin since I blurted his name out um, yesterday on the road. That's so good. And, That's quite the Freudian slip. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, yeah, so. So those are the those are the guys in within two hundred. I was into Kenta Maeda earlier, yeah, but his results just haven't been that good. I don't know if the velo is going to be there. 
but um, certainly if he if he can get going, you know, we've seen the type of pitcher that he can be. For sure. Um, I like the Evaldi call. Somehow Trevor Rogers is still interesting to me. Uh, I like Clark Schmidt. I'm with you there as well. Um, some others, I would have loved, uh, Tyler Molly is something I'm keeping an eye on. Zach Eflin, like you mentioned as well. I love Cookie Carlos Carrasco. I've been taking him in so many places. Uh, big fan of him this season. Sean Manaya is getting my attention with the Velo. That is something I'm monitoring. Still have not clicked that button, but uh, the Velo is, if I can see it like on one more spring start, he might end up on a, one of my last picks in an OC coming up. I'll say that much. So there's that. I love Mitch Keller. I always love Mitch Keller. You got to pay a lot more for him this year, but I'm a big fan. You mentioned David Peterson, another guy that I liked he was going later, but I'll still take him now because I think he is that good. I think he's a very, very good pitcher especially if he ever figures out the walks, which were better last year. But, man, improve that even a little more, and that'd be nice. Tyler Anderson is intriguing at uh, around 280 as well. So there's a lot coming later. Like if Rosny Contreras ever stopped walking, guys, that would be awesome. Uh, Ross Stripling, 100%. That's the dude I had rostered everywhere last year. So I'm in on that. Then you mentioned the Boyd and Erod. So it's a fun range. That's what I've liked about going through the different ADPs is, like, there's good pockets of some really nice like stuff you can like I could live with taking like three pitchers in a row in that range and be pretty pumped to have them as like my you know fourth fifth and sixth probably more my fifth sixth and seventh hopefully starters that would be a, a nice little wheelhouse to be in. I, I would not not uh, not disagree with if it came to that on draft day. Let's talk yeah, and, and one thing I'll say about this range is like a lot of these guys are interesting because these are the guys that are showing something. Yeah, you know what, what I'm saying. Up, Where sure. it's like. These are the guys that were going in the 300s in DCEs, and then they've had like a nice spring, or they've had a velo bump, or they've done something that has kind of like boosted their stock, whereas these other guys have kind of fallen off a little bit. And so, um, yeah, I just think that to me is is kind of interesting. And looking at these guys is 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 this is really like kind of like a pick your pick your pick your guy, pick what you believe in type of yep. spot in the draft you know, in terms of who you're interested in going after at this point. Yeah, for sure. That's a good good point on that one. Talk about picking your guys. Let's go ADP 300 plus. Now it gets into some, still some talent back here, but definitely murkier waters for a reason. That's why they're going past pick 300. But who are a few guys that stand out to you in this range? Yeah, um, uh, Eric Lauer is really good. Uh, or He's not really good, but um, he can be really good. Like we He's saw really good for post 300. Yeah, he, we saw how dominant he can be. And towards the back end of last year, he actually showed some improvements. You know, so I think that that's kind of encouraging. I've, I've kind of always been in on him. I was in on him last year. Aaron Savale is really interesting, you know, with the pitch mix change that he had last year. He really kind of took it to the next level. Question is whether he can stay healthy and, and be consistent with that on a regular basis. I actually drafted Michael Waka somewhere. I would not recommend doing that, but I think the Padres are playing at home against the Rockies and I literally picked him so that I could play, play in them in that start. Um, you're getting into your kind of spec territory. Uh, Jose Suarez is really interesting on the angels. I think he was, he was, he had an underrated second half of last year where he really improved considerably on, on, on a lot of different metrics. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little bit slim pickings here. Kikuchi is kind of one of those guys where you're like, oh, I want to believe. Someday. I want to believe what he's doing. I really want to believe in it. And and maybe this year's different. Um, he did. He was really good skills wise towards the back end of um, 
last year. And, um, you know, the question is whether that was just a bullpen thing or not, you know, um, really, like, that's the way that I think about it. Um, yeah, it's really slim pickings once you get later on, honestly. Yeah, that's fine. Um, there's not a lot of guys, like, I really liked Ryan Pepio of the Dodgers, but it looks like he's injured, right? Yep, like, he's banged up. Yeah, he's banged up. So that was one that was definitely on my list of guys I would I would be interested in. It's a if lot more like most, spec closers back here almost. Yeah, it really it really is. Um, and filling out like your position, guys. Filling out your outfield, if you can see all the green on there. You know, a guy like Cole Irvin's kind of interesting because, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that's like been fine. You know? Like, he's been fine. And like, there's something to be said for that, right? He doesn't yeah. walk guys, doesn't really strike him out either. Has like a high three ZRA, like a decent whip. He's on a better team this year. Still a pretty good hitter's park. Um, I don't know if I've seen his velo anywhere, but early in the spring, they were saying that it was up a little bit. Um, let's, say, let's clarify. Irvin's fine in the fifth team. I'm not sure you need him in the 12. Oh yeah, you don't need him in the 12 at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking like end of the road, yeah. end, end of the line yeah. here um yeah like uh let's see what, what did urban have like what did he finish last year as um sorry just looking up here yeah so like 398 era 116 with I mean, that's great you know for like where you're drafting the guy he only had 128 you know strikeouts in 181 innings and but he did get nine wins because he went relatively deep into games so it's stuff like that and you're just trying to balance that with some guys that are maybe like either home runs or nothing you know um and you can see that here, right? Like everybody's taking their closed respects in this range. Um, so, yeah. 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 For me in this range, you mentioned Savali. I'm a big fan of what we're seeing from Aaron Savali. Um, I'm always kind of a sucker for walking the right matchups like you talked about. Alex Wood is a guy I'd get on while he's healthy. I think there's definitely something there. I love Jose Suarez, who you mentioned. I'm still a Brian Bayo believer in seeing that he's healthy. He might only miss one spot through the rotation. That makes me pretty giddy. So Brian Bayo might start going back up draft boards here in a minute now that we're seeing he's looking a little better. But, yeah, you know, Ryan Nelson is getting the spot in Arizona, if you believe in that. JT Brubaker, I like what we're seeing on a 15. He, he definitely has some legs uh, in that format. Other than that, it's all specs. Like, I like seeing Spencer Turnbull out there looking good again. But, you know, how much is he going to have after the, the Tommy John season? A lot of people like Graham Ashcraft. I'm, I'm still not there in a great American small park, fifth pitcher. That always concerns me a bit. So, yeah, it's a little, little, like it's a good bleak the farther down you go here, as you mentioned, but definitely someone that early 300s that I can uh, live with and, and finish out my starting pitchers and be, be just fine with for sure. All righty. Let's take the few listener questions we have here and then we'll head on out for the night and we'll start with um, doing K Town Danny or Doink, Doink Town Danny. Sorry. Um, Couple of close ADP guys. We kind of talked about these actually already. Who do you prefer in each matchup? You had Gossman and Castilla. We took Gossman. We didn't talk about this one. Blake Snell or Nasty Nestor Cortez. How do you look at those two? Um, I think I would probably yeah, Cortez is like so solid, but he's also a little injured, so he hasn't had that run. I actually haven't seen that much about Snell and how he's pitching, but he had a really strong second half of last year. So I'd probably lean Snell there. Yeah, I'm leaning Snell. I've been taking him in drafts. I like 
seeing the way he finished the season. Like, there's still that Cy Young pitchers there somewhere. And now he's on a team that at least if he's not walking the farm, we'll let him go deep into games. So it's like if he can continue to build off that second half, this is a dude that could be a big boy pitcher come the end of fantasy season. So Eileen Snell as well. I'm with you on that one. Our buddy Ben Ted says, uh, betting odds, what are the odds that Toby goes pocket aces this weekend? I know the answer to that, so I'm not going to comment on this. Uh, I'd say it's 50-50, Ben. 50-50. Um, 50-50 no, coin toss. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend, for sure. All righty. Well, that'll wrap us up, Toby. The last review, preview, preview of the review of the season is in the books. Final thoughts as you head into a big Vegas weekend. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Bubba. Um, and thank you, everybody else, for coming along on the on the on the the preview and then the re-preview um, uh, journey uh, the last few months. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's always helpful for me in kind of learning the player pool and getting great questions from everybody who's listening. So it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I don't think, I think we've got the initial mains, but I think it's a whole different animal. I think when you get to Vegas and, you know, kind of what, what happens there, you generally have people who are, we're pretty tuned in and, and are pretty, um, they have a lot of conviction you know, and where they see guys going. And so that can result in some really interesting drafts happening. So should be a fun weekend. Uh, definitely going to miss you, Bubba. You know, um, we'll get you there sometime soon. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks for everybody for, for listening. Yep, it's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see the uh, people on Twitter having a great time, seeing some more draft results, and then getting the uh, the 411 from one Toby G next week to see how things went and see how his winning teams look after draft night so it'll be a a great great situation there but until then if you guys have any questions hit toby up on twitter at bat flip crazy i'm at bd intric and this was bubba the bat flip episode 151 catch y'all next time month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get up to a $25 gift card after rebate with the purchase of select Superstart batteries. Our professional parts people will test your old battery for free and recommend the right battery for your vehicle. For power, performance, and reliability, choose Superstart batteries only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.